This is Hacker Public Radio episode 3288 for Wednesday the 10th of March 2021. Today's show is entitled, Linux in Law S01E25, The Grumpy Old Coder and is part of the series, Linux in Law, it is hosted by Monochrome, and is about 60 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, our heroes host an episode with an eclectic duo, not Waldorf or Statler. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Linux in Laws, a podcast on topics around free and open source software, any associated contraband, communism, the revolution in general, and whatever else fancies your tickle. Please note that this and other episodes may contain strong language, offensive humor, and other certainly not politically correct language. You have been warned. Our parents insisted on this disclaimer. Happy mum! Thus, the content is not suitable for consumption in the workplace, especially when played back on a speaker in an open-plan office or similar environments. Any minors under the age of 35 or any pets, including fluffy little killer bunnies, your trusted guide dog, unless on speed, and cute T-Rexes or other associated dinosaurs. Dear listeners, good evening, wherever you're listening to, from, whatever, don't, doesn't matter. Tonight is a very a special episode because we have Martin guests on the show, right? Martin, you, would we you, do, would do you do the honor? Yes. Beloved and, and, yes. And introduce the Gumpy Old Coders for those few listeners who do not know who they are. Yes. Before they we... introduce themselves. <laughs> well, why don't we get them to introduce ourselves? They can say it much better than we can. Excellent. Let's do yeah. this. Let's do this. David, you told me I don't need to prepare anything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is sort of preparation, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, my name is David, and uh, I, I'm together with Thomas. Right, Thomas will introduce himself in a second, but uh, we are the grumpy old coders. So, our meaning, we have a podcast with uh, this name. Uh, if you don't know it yet, uh, maybe listen to it. Uh, after the, the, link, the link maybe will not. be in the show notes. Maybe, 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 you should maybe, stop so. this podcast now and listen yeah, to our... Stop this podcast. <laughs> You're not stealing listeners. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> We've got to cut this out. Just disregard uh, this remark. Anyway, anyway, right? So over, over to talk. Yeah, maybe a bit about me, right? So I, I would call myself a, da- a database expert. Um, 
worked for a bunch of open source companies in the past and uh, yeah um i'm doing no sequel consultancy if you want to right and i'm working quite a lot with a company called redis labs the same company uh, christoph is working with right. full disclosure yes i'm working for redis labs okay as Thomas. martin used to by the way yeah <laughs> So, Thomas, over to you. Okay, should I go then? Um, Absolutely. Well, I'm a, oh, I'm, I'm a tech guy, I suppose. I've, I've been writing software for, since 2004, which is, I don't know, 57 years now. And I've worked for several companies, including small companies, big companies. Um, I've worked for Symantec, but also for sort of five people consulting businesses. And since, well, since about a half year, I'm, I'm a cloud guy now. So I work for Amazon Web Services in their uh, public sector, um, service thing, service arm. So professional services slash, uh, solution architecture slash proof of concept okay. writing, that sort of thing. Yeah. That's so me. You, so you cover the public sector working for public cloud provider. Okay. Yes. So the way it works, uh, yeah, it, it is a public cloud provider. Yes, of course, it's the public cloud. Well, um, Amazon also has private clouds. So there is the U.S. government cloud, um, the China cloud. I think I don't remember if there's a Germany cloud for Amazon. I think there is, but I'm not sure. I should actually know this, but I don't. Um, and what we do is we write um, proof of concept software for the public sector, public sector, obviously meaning governments, uh, health. So one of our customers, the NHS, things like that. We write proof of concepts on what they can do with the cloud. We do this for free and we hand that software over to them and then it's up to them if they want to use it. So it is, okay. it is showing the power of the cloud, basically. Uh, the business model is, of course, then that they use the software and, you know, we get paid via consumption. Compute and storage consumption. That's okay. the idea. So yeah, that's me. If the NSS has finally run in, run into that brick wall due to some software thing, it's just still the NSH the NHS fault because you just wrote the thing but handed it over to the NHS. I suppose so. I mean, yeah, we do say it's proof of concept code. So we do say, okay. Very important, yes. Yeah, it's very important. If if you want to productionize this, then, you know, you need to go to some whatever's needed to productionize it. You know, there might be uh, ISO certifications of the processes. The, you know, there might be additional hardening steps like improving the test coverage and all that sort of thing. We just say it's a proof of concept to show you what's possible. Mm -hmm. That's sort of our stance. Yeah. Full, full disclosure, of course, the NHS will never run into a brick wall because it's government back, as we all know, right? So no fear, Great Britain, no fear. I suppose Brexit so. Brexit or not. <laughs> I didn't realize you had an NHS in Germany as well. <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah, Martin, that I'm, is surprising. I'm, refer <laughs> I'm, I'm referring to the UK entity as, as a matter of fact. Oh, I didn't realize Thomas worked in the UK as well. That's lots of I, things I, I live in the UK. Yes, yeah, the I UK. should have said that in the introduction, shouldn't I? So I am German, as you can clearly hear by my dodgy accent, and I live in the UK since oh. 2009. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what's it? What's that now? 12 years? Yeah. Yeah. So... And I'm, I'm strong. My, my German is declining. I'm I still, re I still remember when you left Germany, actually. Right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It was quite a new chapter, wasn't it? 
So I reckon I'm the only one living in Germany because David lives in Bavaria, which is which is of course not not part of Germany. <laughs> what, when has that happened? Have uh, I been away so long? <laughs> depends who's asked, right? I, I would say it's part Sorry. of Germany, but. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, I, I would those... say it's part of Germany, but yeah, <laughs> there there are some Bavarians. If they ask, if if you ask them, they are saying it's not part of Germany. Yeah. There's full, Germany, full and then there's Germany. Yeah. Full disclosure: um, Bavaria relates to Germany like taxes to the to the rest of the Federation. Let's put it this way. Uh, Martin, where do you, uh, Martin? You are uh, living in the UK as well, right? I am. You are indeed. Although you're not from there. Depends how long, how long, far back you go, yes, indeed. About the usual 60 years as in, as in your age, Martin. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. But then I'm not from German origin like the, the rest of us. You see, some people would dispute that actually. <laughs> It depends. For this closer, Martin is Dutch by origin. Right, which is not Germany. Last time I looked. Well, well, yes, but you see, that depends on the historical context. About uh, context about what? A couple, of, ago, a couple yeah. of thousand years ago, it was all one tribe, right? Yeah, well, if if you approach it from that way, there are no English people either. It's either Correct. French yes. people or Anglo-Saxon people or Viking in, people. You know, indeed, yes, very much so. Yeah. Welcome to the history <laughs> history <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Okay. I watched the Dig on Netflix the other day. Great film, if you're into that sort of thing. What was the film? Uh, the, the Dig. It's about the Sutton Hoot treasure in, okay. in Britain, where they found uh, some amazing artifacts from the Anglo-Saxon period and the whole, the whole story. Really? Okay. It. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I would recommend sounds it. Sounds good. Yes. Sounds the Dig on Netflix. Okay, okay guys. <laughs> But uh, I think enough about history. Um, The reason why we have to and, Metro, and Netflix advertising, <laughs> yes, sorry. Thank you, yeah. thank you David. Other yeah. streaming services are available. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't Amazon run their own thing or something? I don't remember. Okay. Um the reason why we brought the with the grumpy old coders over is of course their podcast. Um so the idea is to because we didn't prepare a script as we as we normally don't, to actually shed some light on how the Grumpy World Coders arrived at podcasting and to some extent also how we arrived at podcasting. Of course, avid listeners of um the Linux in laws probably know some details about this because there are a few episodes where we dropped hints. But David Thomas, why don't you kind of give us a head start? how the Grumpy Old Quarter started and what finally basically convinced you to do your own thing in terms of a podcast. Should I start, Thomas? Yeah, go for it. Actually, I am doing a, or yeah, I started to do a podcast internally for Redis Labs, right? So for the technical field at Redis Labs, as you know, Christoph, right? Redis Stars, <laughs> yes, absolutely nah, recommend no, it. No, <laughs> Redis, Redis Stars is the, the uh, sorry, you mean one, the internal right? one? Okay, sorry, yes, yes, exactly. of course. Um, so the internal one, basically for consultants, solutions architects, uh, and whoever wants to to listen to it, right? Technical managers and so on. And uh, yeah, I had to buy this equipment anyway. Right? <laughs> See, this is this is one of the primary reasons for joining Redis Labs. Redis Labs is hiring, and being at Redis Labs, you get to listen to this podcast. But enough plugs now. Yeah, exactly. Actually, Redis Labs is even hiring technical enablement architects. So. <laughs> <laughs> really? If it is heading that department, I might. Have it. <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyway, so um, yeah, so we we had to do, do this for educational reasons or uh, for Reddit Labs um, in order to promote and or uh, kind of um, yeah, underline the the educational programs which we have for. In addition, like uh, trainings and so on, right? So I thought it is a good idea to kind of um, provide people that are often traveling right on the road uh, okay. a kind of additional format where they can listen to to knowledge um, and have a kind of alternative format. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, Thomas and me, we had for a while the idea to do something together. And uh, okay. when we met, I'm not sure how often we meet actually, Tom and right? How often we met, maybe once a quarter or something like this, right? If just, that, yeah. Just, uh, just for beer or something like that, right? And yeah, we we had ideas to do something together, and then the the idea was raised: Hey, why not doing a podcast, right? Uh, because nowadays everyone has a podcast. <laughs> Even we do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. The the idea was born, and then we we kind of uh, thought about how we name it and stuff like this, right? Okay. So yeah. how did you arrive at the name? That was uh, entirely David's idea. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually, the beats, David. <laughs> actually, if you if you know the Muppet Show, right? It's the Muppet Show, I believe. There are those two crumpy old guys, right? Uh, sitting on the, yeah, exactly. Yes. World of the Stettler. and uh, and. Uh, yeah, people sometimes compare Thomas and myself with those two crappy guys. Um, full, full disclosure: David and Thomas borrowed the idea from somebody called, or from some people called Linux in-laws, because we we had the podcast first. And if you take a close look at the image on our landing page, these are just hats uh, put on Baldorf and Stadler. Ah, ah, okay. Yes. We're, we're, actually, we're not aware of. So it was not <laughs> that's, that's okay. Yeah, you're not fooling anybody there. <laughs> Any, anyway, right? So ba basically, based on the idea we had, right? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, can, I, can I just say? So we had we first had the idea of a podcast in 2015. And I then see. We, sort of, we, we just left it. We were all too busy, right? And then it's true, actually. I yeah. think last year, I think we finally started. But we had the idea years and years ago. Okay. Yeah, we we know each other for more than twenty years. Wow. And uh, so yeah, as you said, old couple indeed. Yeah, and in a way, and and we we don't see much of each other because he's in the states or he is, is he? I don't know, South Africa, yeah. Israel lately. You know, wherever he is, and and I'm in the UK, and yeah, there's this, this, you know, just not much opportunity, and yeah, this is it's really enjoyable yeah, actually. Yeah. It's we, good we need each other sometimes when I'm in the UK, right? I mean, now due to Corona, we can't travel anymore, right? Yeah, and, uh, it was more I would travel more in the past, uh, right? This this was kind of fixed because I have small kids now, uh, but yeah, in the past I was quite a lot traveling and uh, or didn't have always the opportunity to go to London, right? Sometimes at least, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it gives us, or to be honest, the motivation is more or less or for Thomas and me to just have fun together, right? To to spend time together and uh, nothing more than that, right? So we just do our thing and uh, whoever wants to listen in and uh, finds it useful uh, can do this, right? And uh, who know, who is not interested, who is not interested, right? That's it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We basically do it for us. And if people are listening, that's a bonus. David, that rings. Uh, sorry, Martin, that rings a bell, right? Yeah, I, just, I was just going to ask. Um, 
How many beers did this uh, decision take on your part? <laughs> Full disclosure, Martin and myself stopped counting after 10. No, we actually didn't need any beer for that. Maybe one, right? Maybe the, Maybe one the, standard, the standard one we are having if we are having yeah, This is calls. the official version, right? I'm, I'm a lightweight. 10 beers would absolutely destroy me. I couldn't take I 10 beers. Yeah. Uh, I think the maximum I could take so far was 12. 12. Jesus. Which means six liters or a liter. Six liters. I usually tap out after the fourth. So that's sort of my um, level. But this was at Oktoberfest. This was at Oktoberfest, by the way. David, right? you yeah. live in Bavaria, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, I'm, I'm not originally, originally Bavarian, so I was not, well, fed, with, I was not fed with beer when I was younger, right? <laughs> apparently that shows too then. Okay. Yeah. Oktoberfest. Shall I tell my Oktoberfest story? Right, so I was uh, part of a startup um, back in the day, which of course has failed, which is why, you know, I'm in employment again now. And uh, part of my, some of my co-founders sort of, um, they organized this meetup, right? So let's, let's meet these important people, go to the Oktoberfest, have some fun, right? So one of those people that we met was the, I, I forgot his name, the, the, the CEO of the Goodfellows, the coffee chain in Germany, right? Okay. Uh, Gustav, you, you know, good, good fellows. Is it good uh, fellows? Something like that. Uh, coffee, yeah. coffee fellows. Coffee fellows. Coffee fellows. Yeah. Coffee fellows. So uh, people like that. And it was like, you know, just go there, have a little chat. And I thought, okay, you know, let's stay sober, right? Let's have one or two beers and that's it. So I had, I hadn't eaten much in the day. You can probably tell where the story is going, right? So I hadn't eaten much and uh, I thought, yeah, one, one beer, two, I had two beers and I was basically dead, right? The, the guy had to almost carry me home. And yeah, so that's my, that's my memory of, uh, of the Oktoberfest. So totally boring, man. Totally boring. <laughs> that's me. To be, to be fair, uh, a beer has, is a liter, right? At the Oktoberfest. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. nothing. It's a mass. It's a mass. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Mm. It's, by the way, not unusual, right? So, well, it's not too unusual to meet at Oktoberfest for business reasons and just, yeah, uh, meet customers it. or prospects or partners, right? I had this a few times already in the past and I never got the concept, I have to admit, right? Because it's very noisy. It's hard to talk to each other. It's indeed it is a kind of experience together. And maybe this helps you to, to do better business later then, yeah, right? Yeah. Because you have Bonding. pictures of each other. I don't know. <laughs> But actually for, for, for meaningful conversations, it's, uh, it's useless, right? Because it's really noisy and whatever. Yeah. Right? And then comes the part where you stand on the benches and you dance on the benches and it yeah. all gets very bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. An exception for me is actually the, the, um, the Herbstfest or in, in Erding. So which is like, uh, the listeners outside of Germany maybe don't know, right? But Oktoberfest, uh, even if, the, if it's the biggest of its kind, right? It's not the best one, right? They're around the same time. Yeah. There are a lot of little uh, events that are kind of similar in basically every single town in Bavaria, right? And, um, and the smaller ones are actually better, right? Oktoberfest is more for, for, 
tourists. <laughs> ah, but do they have do they have a humtata, a brass band that plays Highway to Hell? Only if they have that, I'm coming. Maybe who knows, reason. right? But they they also have uh, tents and bands, the smaller ones, right? And beer, a bit cheaper than the the big the big Oktoberfest, and it, especially important, they are not that crowded, right? Uh, which means mm. it's a it's a bit a, a better experience. I actually like the smaller ones, right? I'm not a not such an Oktoberfest guy, but the smaller ones like the the Adinger Herbstfest is actually this is quite nice, right? If I would okay. leave Bavaria tomorrow, yeah. I would miss this. Let's see. Right. Yeah. I hear you. So, anyway, yeah, welcome to the podcast on German. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, very good. German culture, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't this why you invited us, right? We just found out that most of us are anyway German, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, man, go ahead. On a more serious note. In the um, in the whole podcasting scenario, what kind of technology do you guys use? Oh, um, so I, I'm I'm I have to admit I'm using not open source software for this. I'm using Logic Pro X uh, by by Apple, right, for recording my stuff, and I'm also using this for the post production. Uh, okay. so meaning. Uh, we do it differently, differently than you guys. So we basically are, have a kind of meeting, Discord meeting, or, and at the same time we record via an, another microphone, a better microphone. Uh, yeah, um, via a kind of uh, audio recorder, which is in my case Logic Pro X, right? Uh, which is a mm-hmm. digital audio workstation. And I think Thomas is using Audacity, which is open source. Uh, okay. Audacity had lately some issues on Mac, uh, which is the reason why <laughs> I changed it. But uh, the, the main reason why I'm using Logic Pro X is uh, because it's uh, having a lot of uh, built in functionality, which helps you with the post processing, right? Like noise reduction, noise filtering. Compression has some presets. So especially if you don't know too well what you're doing during the post-production steps uh, and you're not the t- 100% expert as I am not one, right? Um, then uh, Logic Pro X is actually really helpful uh, by helping you to get uh, a good result out of your audio tracks. Um, and besides of that, we are, we are recording via microphone. So condenser microphones. I'm using an audio technica yeah. microphone for recording. I think Thomas uses something else. I, I have a, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to spend 200 pounds. So, so I have a sort of semi entry level, uh, microphone i think it's called q9 or something and i paid 50 pounds for it and as david said yeah we record locally so each record each one of us records its own track locally and then mm. we synchronize it with some synchronizing noises that we do uh yeah i recorded audacity and then just sent the mp3 to david and he does his magic okay this is how we did it initially but then we discovered big blue button and now Jibri. Uh, the jury is still out on this one, um, but this is how we started, right, Martin? Definitely. So far, so good, right? On the, apart from the setting up part, but that's not going to Yeah, all, full disclosure, all your Linux can be a bitch. <laughs> but this mm. is not something new. Anyway, Leonard, if you're listening, get in touch, please. Isn't there a managed Jitsi service on AWS? I have to Google that now. I do not know. Well, I mean, 
if I listen to the grumpy old quarters, which I do on a regular basis, full disclosure, you tackle everything, right? Uh, from Microsoft technologies right up to programming languages. You had this massive two, three, four hour long, two, 20, two hours. 20, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, it felt like seven. Yeah. <laughs> you had this seven hour long 2020 review. I don't know. So I mean, you, you clearly don't have open source or the focus. And of course, that's, that's, that's fully understood, appreciate, whatever. Where do you see, I mean, first of all, how did you come up with the, with the subject area and where do you see the Grumpy Old Coders going, going forward? Wow, a good question, right? And, and how do you pick your, your topics? Yeah, we just do a brainstorming. So Tom's me and sometimes we have guests or, that are influencing it. So our, let's say maybe a friend of ours has a, has a topic he wants to talk about, right? And then, <laughs> If he's coming to us, we, we say, okay, fine, bring your topic. You are the expert. Uh, we are the moderators. And then we, we do minimal research, uh, before we have the conversation with him and, uh, kind of, um, have a nice little conversation for an hour. Um, this is one format. So basically some, some expert guest speakers. Um, we did this with Michael, right? And, uh, there's a new episode to come. Actually, it should have already been released, but I, I'm too late uh, because I'm too busy. But, um, a- anyway, and, uh, besides of that, Thomas and me, we, we're just sitting together and, uh, we think about, uh, some, some topics we, we f- find interesting, right? And whatever we find interesting, we, we then talk about it um, during the mm. podcast. So there's no specific scheme. There is just a list of topics we have and uh, this list is from time to time extended, right? Yeah, it's a good thing about our profession is that we are constantly learning, right? We're constantly doing new things. So um, one of the things we said in a previous episode is I think that we want to get more acquainted with the whole concept of machine learning because both of us had this at university back in the 90s and early 2000s, but the, the the computing power just wasn't there yet. And now that we have the cloud and we have a much better tool chain, the whole thing becomes interesting again. As you can see, and I mean, if you have a smart speaker at home, if you have an Alexa or I whatever, the cloud is anything to do with it personally. I think GPUs are, are more important. But. <laughs> GPUs can be used for machine learning, <laughs> which was your point. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But you can have GPUs in the cloud. Aha. Yes, you can. There you go. Checkmate. So anyway, yeah, so, so this is the thing where we're probably going to do an episode. I see us doing an episode yeah. of this this year. The algorithms and the tools and TensorFlow and what have you, deep learning, yeah, all that stuff. Learning. How the so, algorithms develop over time. So yeah, so, so we're constantly learning this profession and this this is... This is what makes it interesting. Yeah. Another topic on our list is, I believe, Kotlin, right? So I would like to talk a bit about Kotlin because I like the programming language. And um, yeah, maybe one idea would be to have a kind of walkthrough, right? Just verbally uh, through some of the concepts and just discuss them from from the point of experience, point of view and by, based on the experience of, for instance, Thomas, right? Yeah. Uh, with other languages like .NET and so on. So something like this. And what, what surprised me during the first few episodes that this was kind of really, yeah, Microsoft heavy. You both seem to come, at least Thomas seems to, seems to come from, from a Microsoft development background. Yes. So yes, I have yes. done. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I'm just, I'm just asking. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true. So I, Microsoft has sort of 
paid my wages in, in a way for many years. So I've done C sharp for 12 years. And, you know, then I sort of moved into web development, which was web forms. If anyone knows who that is, if you don't know what that is, you're good. You're lucky, right? Cause it's horrendous. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then I moved to, to Angular, which is obviously not a Microsoft technology. And that's where kind of my, my exodus began, right? Okay. Once you are in, in the whole Angular, uh, universe, you get to know TypeScript. And now TypeScript is my favorite language. So I want to use TypeScript on the back end. So that's why I learned Node. Okay. And right. And, and now I'm sort of full stack on the whole JavaScript chisel. And I'm, I'm not sort of connected to Microsoft wow. anymore, but I've still done 12 years of C Sharp. So that's sort of okay. where that is all coming from. Um, Obviously, as a C Sharp guy, Azure is the cloud you use, right? But, you know, now I work for, for Amazon. And I like Linux. I have Linux. I'm running Linux right now for many years. So, well, so Ma yeah. Well, Microsoft is not the anti-angel of open source anymore. I mean, Guido, no, joined, Guido joined Microsoft officially. So that's a, sad, that's a done deal. And I mean, fair enough. I mean, Microsoft came up with something called F-Sharp, if I'm not completely mistaken. Yes. Um, of course, that's another functional ripoff, like Rust is, I might add. So uh, it would be interesting. I mean... There was an interesting remark in this whole 2020 review episode regarding Rust and given the fact that, especially at Microsoft, Rust has, really have, has taken a really significant upturn. And the latest is actually that, I don't know if you heard this, there is a Python dependence in a package called Cryptography that is replacing C with Rust. Needless to say, that caused a little bit of a stir in the community because now you have to, in addition to a C compiler, you have to have something called a Rust compiler running on your platform if you want to compile what is known as a wheel in Python, especially in packaging format. The the thing is that um, PyPy, which is the official package, which is, which is the official package archive for Python, sup does support binary wheels, but not for all triplets, as in for all architectures of on all operating systems. The trouble now, of course, is I run, for example, at home um, an ARM v5 TE with little engine, which is officially not supported by Rust C. Ah. That, that would be a problem. Yeah. Indeed. So what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm looking at, either I basically hack slash submit a PR for the, for the installation script, or I simply forget about cryptography, which is a major dependency in quite a few packets in Python. Yeah. Yeah. In how many? I mean, is it, is it really having that uh, high impact? I guess historically seen the, uh, the stuff which is C compiled is, or, or, C++ compiled is much, much bigger, right? Apparently, there are a few Docker images for modules in, in Redis that have this uh, dependency because they run on Alpine, and Alpine has that as a base package included. So mm, if... But so, the, the modules the modules are not uh, based on Rust, right? Or, or are they? Uh, so, sorry, no, no. The Docker images use, uh, use Alpine Linux as the yeah. end. And that's in, and this Alpine Linux has cryptography apparently as a dependency for, for whatever reason. I don't know. So mm -hmm. I already see the first image. So I see the, the first few pull requests coming in uh, to do something about this. But the thing is that now you have an additional dependency in your open source world, which not, which is not supported by every, by each and every architecture. Yeah. I'm not sure if this happened already a few times in the past. I guess so, right? 
Um, so that something like this needed to be addressed over time, let's say, right? No, it's, it's just, it's just interesting because this is, I, 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 this is something I would call evolution because the better or the more improved version of a software basically survives or makes the next step. Yeah. Now, no, I mean, if I understand this correctly, and this full disclosure, this happened about two days ago, so it's brand new. We're recording this on the, Martin, what is it? Mm-hmm. 10th of 10th of February. So we're looking at the 8th or something. But given the fact that Rust is becoming a more important language over and over, Microsoft is taking big investments on this, or is making big investments on this. There's also a, a Linux kernel crate for Rust, allowing primarily device drivers to be implemented in Rust, Redis Labs, full disclosure, has invested at least in one module being re-implemented in Rust, namely Redis JSON. Where do the grumpy old coders see this going in the light of functional alternatives like F Sharp and so forth? I'm not sure if I have a strong opinion about this, to be very honest, right? The the thing is, uh, I mean, <clears throat> let's say Rust is very popular, right, among other languages or that are quite popular, like Golang and so on, right? And um, some languages are there to survive, some die, and uh, it's yeah. just a trend, let's say, right? And uh, if you compare how many... Uh, so, so meaning, from my point of view, the language made it at the end, right, if it arrived in enterprises, uh, you know, in a sense, but... so maybe like Java? This is, yeah, Java made it in a sense. I mean, maybe Java is now, uh, yeah, let's say I would not joke too much about it because at the end, I'm uh, not joking. I'm be, sure. Because at the, at the end, if you look at the statistics and there are different surveys, right? And I would say Java is, is one of the more successful languages. Indeed, there are, there is stuff which is kind of blocking it a bit from being more successful and maybe it's a bit dusted nowadays, right? Um, and, uh, and that said, there are other languages, uh, or attempts to have new languages on the Java virtual machine, right? Like for instance, Kotlin, which is like a more modern version of, of Java, let's say, <laughs> right? By, by stealing a lot of concepts from different stealing, places. Think, okay. Uh, or boring, boring is maybe a, a better, better term in this, uh, in this context. Uh, and as you said, evolution, right? Evolution also means that it uh, kind of gets inspired by other stuff um, and picks it up if it is or, or seen as being successful, right? By, by adapting, um, in this sense, uh, because the, the winner is the one who is, is able to adapt, let's say, right? And, uh, there, there's a lot of stuff happening, right? Uh, Thomas mentioned, uh, JavaScript, for instance, on the server side, on the client side, and obviously JavaScript, uh, was the winner on the client, uh, yeah, on the client side. But um, Node, for instance, being very, very popular, right? I, I didn't, I, me personally, but this doesn't mean anything, right? But I guess the statistics are kind of um, aligned with this observation. Yeah. I didn't see, I didn't see Node being used a lot in 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 really real enterprise grade uh, software, yeah. right? So <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, it's trendy, fine, right? So. Um, it it had people that are coming from the JavaScript client side or to to basically become quickly full stack developers and or it got a lot of traction and popularity and there is a good community and it's an I, I believe or let's say JavaScript TypeScript or nice TypeScript especially in nice languages and so on right but if this is going to survive um, 
will also depend on um, how how practically it can be used over the time. And I, I guess Rust, Rust has better chances there, but um, if, if it really will survive, I don't know. Right? It's hard to say at the moment, I would say. Yeah, technological Darwinism. Uh, with, with the thing about uh, Microsoft switching things out, I, I think the main switch that has happened from Microsoft is sort of the old way of looking at it. You know, we we want to sell licenses, you know, we want to sell software. And I feel that they are completely going away from this, or they have completely gone away from this a few years ago when uh, the new CEO took over, that they follow sort of a similar business model like Amazon Web Services does, where in a way, all they care about is selling cloud compute and selling cloud storage, right? Because that scales and also the profit margins are something like 25%, right? So they make, make way more money, I can imagine, with, with the Azure cloud than they do with selling licenses. Or maybe if they aren't now, they will be. So I'm I'm amazed that they haven't open sourced Windows yet. I can imagine the only reason why they haven't done it yet is because there are some sort of third party license that they can disclose or some stuff like that. Right. So so this is why. So they don't they don't care anymore about this this login, this technology login. Right. And if changing out compilers for for the compiler that they see, the open source compiler where they see the future, then they just do it. You know, if if it helps them sell more compute and more storage, then that's what they do. Interesting perspective, yes. But then apparently Microsoft, in contrast to what was 15, 20 years ago, is giving a lot of things back because yeah. the number of contributions, for example, to the Linux kernel in 2013, 2012 maybe, has risen significantly because... Of course, naysayers may say that this was all to prepare Azure for running Linux workloads, but at the end of the day, just the fact alone that they had actually somebody called Guido von Rossum, who is the inventor of Python, by the way, I think tells a lot because that means, and I think at least two core contributors to something called CPython, which is a standard uh, Python interpreter on GitHub, by the way, are coming from Microsoft. So Microsoft is running a significant chunk of Python, of Python development. I mean, the company has clearly changed since Bomber left. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, things like uh, the Windows subsystem for Linux, that would have been unimaginable under Bomber. Yes. Right. So for, for the guy, you, you may not be familiar with this, but this is sort of a built-in Linux in Windows that you can fall back on to do whatever you need to do your development your it's very good for developing node that's how i would how i've used it in the past you know that yeah, sort of gives you an indication where it's going i mean yeah it used to be just ubuntu but now you can choose and pick a user land of choice run wsl yeah any so, any distribution that's compatible so that, that's that's a very interesting thought because essentially yeah, you you use windows. Before, right? it's, it's not particularly practical to be doing that. You may as well just run a Linux machine instead. <laughs> yes, but you can still use Windows as a glorified bootloader. <laughs> I mean, uh, for for some, you know, in some companies, I've worked for uh, McLaren, right? And you you get a corporate laptop which has Windows on, and that's end of the story. And f for that, I was very happy to use the Windows subsystem for Linux because of the tight integration to the IDEs I had running. Of course, I could have run a virtual machine on it, you know, 
But Windows subsystem for Linux actually there, better. There's a good argument against virtual machines for some use cases, right? Um, so what I did, for instance, I used it uh, a few times um, on other machines I had to maintain within my family because, or uh, let's say, the majority of the the let's say non-geeky persons out there are using <laughs> using Windows, right? Yeah. And I'm I'm actually not uh, a PowerShell guy if it comes to to doing something like finding files or writing. Yeah. Script, which solves a specific problem uh, for them, mm. right? So what I did then is I I just used uh, the Linux subsystem to do this, or in the past, mm. Sukwin, right? So basically, the first <laughs> thing I did is I installed Sukwin in order to uh, to be able to to use Bash scripts, right? Um, so there there's, are good reasons to use this subsystem, I would say, right? yeah. like uh, scripting stuff uh, in a more uh, kind of unified way, right? And speaking of family, what I found is. A lot of them don't care. So I told my wife, is it okay if I put uh, Linux on the living room laptop, right, for instance? And she said, as long as I can log in and start the browser, I don't care. You know, and, and I'm finding the same attitude with, with my older son because he, he lives in uh, Google Docs and Google Meets and all that stuff. So he says, as long as I have Chrome, I'm good. Well, yeah. That's the reason for the for the Chromebook numbers, right? I mean, Yeah, absolutely. Just- it's one of the popular. It's one of the most the most popular um, 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 laptops being sold. Laptop families, rather. Sorry, because you yeah. just switch it on, and the rest happens in the cloud. The only thing for the family that's holding back is gaming, right? So gaming on Linux in the last years has come on in leaps and bounds. Steam, so, Steam, yeah. So, so just the other day, yeah. I tried to solve Steam on Linux stuff. And it works amazingly well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not every game, which is a little bit no. deep, but uh, let's say a lot of games are are working quite well, especially the ones that are based on OpenGL, right? Um, so yeah. if it comes to DirectX, or there's there are possibilities, right? Like um, how is it called, right? Um, oh, is it Proton, something like that? I, Vulcan. I think it was named and where you can rename basically, or I, I'm not sure anymore how it is called, but where you can basically translate uh, DirectX calls into OpenGL calls. Yeah, I think and, it's called Vulkan. Let me Google uh, that. Uh, um, but I, I have one, one point about, or uh, let's say, or just exchanging the desktop or with a Linux desktop works fine for my wife as well, right? Everyone who is maybe around our age and younger is, is getting quickly used to it, or right? But uh, my experience is, is it doesn't work with older persons, right? So older persons <laughs> like our parents. Um, so because they, they kind of, they are, they are using the computer a little bit strange, but they're using it by, by doing simple pattern matching. Right? They are not actually knowing what they are doing. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tempted to say I'm old. I'm an older person. I've been using Linux for the last 30 plus years. <laughs> yeah. So okay. Fine. But you're a tech guy. You don't count, True. Right? Yes. I, I see. Uh, okay. If, if I give for my mother-in-law or is a tea, also one of my mothers-in-law is, is a teacher, right? And she's, or yeah, or nearly, she will nearly get, get out of school, let's say, right? To get pension. But, uh, but, um, it, it, she use, uses Windows at work and she uses Windows at home. And if the button is just, uh, let's say, a bit, a little bit different or there is a slightly different dialogue, right? <laughs> then she's calling me and is asking, what is this, right? Is this dangerous or whatever, right? And I have the same, uh, same situation with, uh, with my other mother-in-law, right? A bit patchworky, right? But any, anyway, uh, and she's doing exactly the same. So meaning it seems that 
and say older older persons that are not having any tech background um so let's say maybe sixty plus right um, um they they sometimes struggle to to exactly understand what they are doing with the computer they just have specific uh, tasks yeah. and they know how to do it and they follow exactly the same procedure and if you would give them another UI this would completely freak them out right let's say yeah, that's the thing. But that's solvable, you know. If if you give them a Linux and then sit down for two hours and says and say, you know, the, click on this for email, click on that for the internet. Yeah, sure, sure. You can invest some additional time. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. what I did for for my neighbor who who used Windows. I I don't know Windows XP, and he wanted a new laptop, and of course Windows XP, nope. So I had to train him on Windows Eight, you know. So that was fun. You know, what's, what's all this rectangular stuff? Yeah. But yeah, we, we got it in the end. <laughs> if, if you sit down for the hour and, and train him, then, then you're good. Hopefully. Or, or he just doesn't tell you, right? Which is well, also could something be, could which be. happens, right? So, uh, and it just it, wraps it up again, the, uh, does it into the, uh, <laughs> the shelf. Most, um, most PCs are still so sold with Linux these days, unless it's obviously Mac, but, um, yeah, still the most popular. Uh, shipped operating system, I'm sure. So it will be a while before that changes. Yeah. Yeah. If if you want to buy a, a laptop with Linux on it, your options are very limited. I think Dell does it. And yeah. then some other obscure vendors that you haven't heard of. Mm. And that's There's it. quite a few boutique shops that sell yeah, I know. Linux laptops like the System76. Yes, that, sort of um, them. Um, there's even a German tuxedo. Yes, tuxedo, of course, in Germany. So yes, you can, you can get them. And of course, Dell does too. Mm, but you wonder how, how good are they? Is there support on it? So, you know, there is that. True. As long as you're not trying to use the audio, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard, Who needs audio, all, right? Leonard, if you're <laughs> listening, all is forgiven. Just come on the show. <laughs> Okay, guys. Uh, before we before we wrap this up, any any parting thoughts? Um, you, you haven't still spilled the beans on where do you see the grumpy old quarters going? Apart from giving us back the bored items, that is, of course. I mean, what do we mean by that? Or I I mean, it's it's not the case that we have a. Uh, do you guys have a big vision for your? Yes, podcast? we do. It's actually on, on our on our website. We call it world domination. Yes, in, in this case, our goal is also world domination. <laughs> <laughs> we will come at odds at some point. We have come yeah, so, uh, uh, <laughs> our, our goal is to avoid Linux and laws world domination. <laughs> right, that was nice our last one. corporation then. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a contradiction, of course, in terms because both Thomas as well as David come from the what is now known as the um, GDR. It, it was always known as that. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, of course, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and for yeah, our younger listeners, that would be the eastern part of Germany, um, which became part of the western part at something called the reunification about what, 30 years ago or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. A while ago, let's say, right? <laughs> A while ago, yes. 
That's the old part of Grumpy Old Corridors. Um, yes, and of course, one final question, actually. Why is um, Saxonian out of the question? Sorry, as, a, as a dialect. I, I mean, uh, you know why, Crystal. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> you damn well know why. I don't know. Why <laughs> Full yeah. disclosures, True. they come from the East, but they apparently try to avoid it, these grumpy old coders. Let, let's say it this way, right? I mean, I'm I, I'm from Thuringia, and I'm more from, uh, let's say, yeah, south or the southern area of Thuringia. And the southern area of Thuringia is more, regarding the dialect, a little bit more Franconian, right? Um, instead of uh, Saxonian. <laughs> uh, and Thomas, I, I believe you're more coming from the... From the uh, something from, close to Saxonia, right? You're, you're yes. from northern Saxonia, right? So, if I'm completely mistaken. You're talking to me or to David? Yes, no, I'm talking to you, Thomas. Oh, right. No, I, I come from Thuringia, the very um, eastern okay. part of it, where it's sort of almost a Saxonian border. I see. But, but not quite. So I'm technically Thuringian, yeah. although if I really put my heart to it, I can have an appalling accent. So I there is that. Yeah. But uh, the... me, for instance, it's hard for me to to talk. Uh, this is Saxonian <laughs> yeah. accent, at least. For, right? and for and this... I I have been accused of being Saxonian for a, a good part of my life, and and to be honest, to be honest with you, Christoph, I find it hurtful. <laughs> full disclosure, people: a quarter of myself is actually from a little village near Bitterfeld, which is northern Saxonia. So I'm I, I stand by my origin. Oh my Some God. people do. Some people don't, as we just heard. That's okay. Just, oh God, I realize I've just been racist to you. I apologize. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to imply that being Saxonian is a bad thing. No, and actually, if that, if that has come it's across, not, it's not, it's not, it's clear. It's because clear it's not, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's not. not. No, my, my maternal grandfather is actually from a place called Delitz. Yeah. They, they, they make, what, what, what do they make in Delitz? Crackers, right? Biscuits. Um, yeah. there's um, something. I heard about Delitz, actually. Yeah, Delitz is actually the, 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 the birthplace of something called the Raiffeisen Movement as in cooperative banking. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. There you go. Yeah. I'm proud to be quarter Saxonian. Yes. Yeah, that, that's fine. But you know, at the end, right? You can have you can have, you can have assholes in uh, in Bavaria. You can have Saxonian. Yes, we are That's all all fine, right? So. We are all German to some extent or another, anyway. So uh, yes, <laughs> maybe not. It actually okay. doesn't matter too much, right? I, I mean, as you might know, or Crystal, at least I I have the feeling, right? Talking about it, I have the feeling that. It's actually for me as a German hard to to have a German identity, or maybe this isn't just me. And given the fact that we we see some some race of right wing people in Germany as well, politically seen, um, this doesn't seem to be the case for everyone, right? But uh, uh, let's say it's it's a bit. Uh, I am not sure, right? I, I never saw myself as yeah, you are this German person or whatever. Indeed, there is some cultural context, but. Uh, I'm I'm feeling the same the same time quite uh, quite at home when I'm sitting in London in a pub, right? I, I don't have the feeling that there there is a kind of uh, yeah. cultural break for for me, right? We, uh, yeah, we, yeah. We are the UK is not even part of Europe anymore. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, it's uh, for me for me or even if I'm in the US, right? Or yeah. then I 
it it's not totally different let's say indeed there is stuff which is totally different but um, it, it's not the case that i'm always thinking about myself as yeah being totally german and having yeah. specific right. values totally associated with it but it's maybe just me right I I, I f no it's not just you i feel the same and i think it is because the state that we grew up in doesn't exist anymore so so in many ways we are we are nomads of history you know we we don't really have a state that we deeply belong to if you know what i mean yeah how are you russian for both of you i had you must um, learn it. you must have learned it at school right oh god yeah so i started russian yeah. at year five yeah. and i yeah. had to end it at year seven oh no okay. at, at year 12 so seven years seven years of russian really yeah. i i never learned russian i had uh, i had latin oh. At English, Latin, and French. I, I didn't <laughs> right. know these were options. <laughs> really? Actually, actually, no. The problem is, I was too young, right? I'm younger than you, Thomas. And uh, for yeah, me, no. for me, basically, um, yeah, I never got into this um, Russian language stuff um, at school because I'm younger, right? That's just okay. The yeah, I think the, the generation I before you was was mandatory, you know? Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. It was mandatory for me. Oh, yeah, big yeah. time. I yeah. thought David was older than forty. I'm exactly 40. Let's see. Ah, ah, I know we're getting somewhere. Okay. It's your birthday. Congratulations. <laughs> nah, maybe not. I mean, I'm older than 40, but I'm basically 40 years old, if you ask me. Right? I see. <laughs> I can't tell you which day it is exactly, right? 40, 40 years and whatever amount yeah. of days, right? I'm 40. Less than 41. Less than 41. Yeah. Yes. I'm still 26, exactly. Anyway, doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> uh, Martin, you had Russian at school, right? In, in the Netherlands. <laughs> no, we weren't part of the empire. Go, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> part of the empire. <laughs> that was elected, of course. <laughs> that wasn't mandatory. No, Martin apparently, I mean, Martin, Martin's Russian is quite existent, I think. Oh, is As, it? Yes. Come on, Martin. Come on. Give it a go, hit Martin. Us. Hit us. Many, many years ago. <laughs> No, because we did a, we did recently actually an episode, as you may or may not know, uh, on the on the first year of the five year plan, and of oh. course the, the little bit of fun was actually <laughs> that we do the intro in Russian. Oh right, I have to listen to that. That's uh, new, yes. I, I, I must have missed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just yeah. a little fun, yes. Mm. Okay, time to wrap this up, guys. I question, question, why? Right. Well, because, because Russia is known, Russia used to be known for their five-year plans. Simple. Uh, okay. Yeah, we had five-year plans in East Germany as well, if I remember there correctly. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't all work all out that way, well, right? Didn't work out that way, well, right? So. Oh, yeah, well. <laughs> well, there are always second, there are always second attempts, right? So let's see how that goes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Guys, time to wrap this up. Any any passing uh, any any final remarks from the Gumpri Oil Quarters? Mm. I mean, are, are we nearly done, or is or I'm, I'm not sure. Is it just no, half an hour, or what no, 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 no. Basically, no. This this won't be, this, this will not be edited uh, much. So we're clocking in at about almost an hour. Yeah, as I said, we oh. do not do two hour episodes, <laughs> so we try to keep. I was it about an hour. to say, yeah, your time yeah, it's, it's, it's really an hour, right? Nice. Time, time yes, was actually so, flying. Time was yes, flying. Yes, yeah, so it was quite indeed. fun actually. Yeah, 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 same here. So we're looking forward to the um um what 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 what's what I'm looking for? Not mutual invite, but rather to to um we're looking forward to being over to your podcast. Yeah. 
Sure. Roger Quite soon, also. and then uh, as soon as I find time, I will also publish this <laughs> after we end our session. Yeah, no, no. Our, from our from our side, I don't know, right? What to say? Um, hope you liked uh, listening to us for right. Absolutely. I hope it was a bit was a bit of fun. I uh, thank you very much uh, for the invite, uh, yeah. Martin and Christoph. Uh, Anytime. Really liked it, and uh, yeah, so. Are stick with uh, Linux and laws, and uh, maybe also explore. <laughs> maybe also explore the Crumpy Recorders podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Available on SoundCloud and other fine proprietary platforms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, if they mention this, right? We are not on this or uh, hacker public radio. Pub, uh, yeah, yeah, hacker public radio. Sorry, right? Uh, so, <laughs> so hope this doesn't dis- disqualify us, right? Yeah. Hope this doesn't disqualify us. But uh, yeah, we are. Basically on SoundCloud and uh, our Spotify and Apple Podcasts, mm, right? The Apple thing as well. Pick yeah. your yeah. proprietary platform and chances are the Grubbyl corners on it. <laughs> Maybe, I mean, actually, uh, uh, sentence about this, uh, I'm not sure if you guys are, are you only publishing it via this or uh, Hacker Public Radio yes. or, okay, yes. then, then in order to reach more people it's not a bad uh, idea to to use more more p- platforms right and uh let's say spotify and apple they are giving this to you for free in a sense right because they know. they kind of want to enrich the amount of, yes. uh, of podcasts they are they are offering uh which means the the only thing you need is an rss feed right and then they are able to pick it up and uh, yes. you can stream it this, from there right well, this is the reason why you why you will find us on google podcasts yes you see, right? Okay. That's exactly because the RSS feed is reflecting the HPR stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you could provide this RSS feed also to Spotify, right? For instance, I have Spotify I, on I my could, mobile yes. phone and maybe everyone has, right? And I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know a single person who has, uh, is there an I, app? I use well, podcast addict. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have one, one more question before you go, um, guys. Do you, know list, now. List, do you know your listener statistics at all? Well, there's at, at least two confirmed listeners, right? Sorry, one and a half, because Martin listen to, doesn't listen to all the episodes, I think. So that's at least me. <laughs> <laughs> if not more. <laughs> I, I don't actually know the number of listeners. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe nah, I have a look into it's that. A, it's a, I mean, it's not totally... Uh, it's not thousands of listeners or whatever right okay. but we we have a bunch of plays so it's not too bad i would say for what we are doing right um i'm i kind of find it okay right okay. Uh, it's, it's less than a million less than a million <laughs> yeah. and uh how, how much listeners are you having is actually this hacker or public um, radio allowing you to track the number of listeners we or? we got about quadruple numbers but i don't think the stats are okay so i reckon it clocks in at a couple of hundred listeners uh, but I might be off. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a bit more than we have. I don't know, right? I, do I think well. the last time when I checked, we had 200 listens. Okay. Like this, right? So across all the so episodes. That's good to know that my bot actually works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Excellent. And with these fucking yeah, the next time, if The next time if you write a bot, right, it, can, it could be a bit more aggressive, let's say, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pull requests are being accepted, David. Uh, <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, it was really fun hanging you over.
And with that um, remark, we would like to thank you for being here and looking forward to having you over at some stage back again. This is the Linux In-Laws. You come for the knowledge. But stay for the madness. Thank Thank you for for listening. This podcast is licensed under the latest version of the Creative Commons license. Type attribution share alike. Credits for the intro music go to Blue Sea Roosters for the song Salute Margaret, to Twin Flames for their piece called The Flow, used for the segment intros, and finally to Celestial Ground for their song Sweet Justice, used by the Dark Side. you find these and other ditties licensed under CC at Chimando, a website dedicated to liberate the music industry from choking copyright legislation and other crap concepts. <laughs> I clearly heard the echo now. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Okay, we we are. <laughs> I wonder if recording is on. <laughs> it is actually Thomas. It is. This message configurable, man. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> oh man, recording is on. David, the software is written in Java. What do you expect? Uh, I like Java. Fair enough. Yes, Ooh. we know. Is that the first topic then? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, by, by the way, by the way, by the way, Java is just a language, right? You can actually <laughs> compile Java to to a native binary. <laughs> absolutely, David. Absolutely. Okay. This is Linux in Laws, season yeah. one, episode twenty-four. I think no. What is twenty-five? Doesn't matter anyway. We're gonna cut this out anyway. And rolling. And, and, and maybe, and maybe the next time when you are visiting us, Martin is able to to talk or say something. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little bit shy, but that's okay. <laughs> That's a bit of a novel idea for a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> Maybe it's the guy, format. Right? Yeah. Silent guy, right? <laughs> okay, cool. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.